0: Got money, we got caregiver, we got patient. There are three expenses in our profession, and the physical expense is the greatest expense that anyone pays. You can always make more money mm-hmm. and you can always see therapy, but when it comes to the physical expense to the patient, there's very little that we can do if that is a very high expense to that animal.
1: We got- Welcome to the podcast. Yesterday I was talking to our, our mentee that's in the clinic and uh, completely unprompted. She had, we were talking about mentorship and she's doing some work with us on helping develop that program. And she brought up the fact that it's like all this program is, is a whole bunch of us saying how we're better than each other. (laughs) And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You're all doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she's yeah. talking about
0: her veterinary curriculum in school. In school, yes. Yeah. So yes,
1: basically, yes. that she is uh, on a, on a, to a certain degree being trained in school. Yep. In school, yep. I and year, between years two and three.
0: Yeah, starting three in fall. Yep.
1: To say how she's better than her classmates yep. that are going through the exact same thing at the exact same time at the exact same time with the same coursework, identical. Yep. <laughs> it's just like they're teaching on this talk path, yeah, as yeah. a way to edify themselves. Absolutely. My question with that idea is, I, I I believe it's been around for a long time. It, that 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 thought pattern of teaching people to hold themselves in high regard yep. within this industry has been around longer than the issue of self care. Yeah. The self care problem and the rate of suicide yep. and all that has surfaced later. That that. Yeah. It, 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 not necessarily that they're correlated. Yeah. However, on that side, when you coordinate the fact that, okay, veterinarians and those that work in the veterinary industry are two to three times more likely to commit suicide. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah, than the general public, yeah. Coordinate that with our culture. Yeah. That is highly competitive. Yeah. I have to put myself in this hierarchy above you. Yeah. The uh, Why... <sighs> It sucks because the education system says, Why would I change that? I have to teach these people how to defend themselves.
0: Right. If they are even acknowledging it as a problem. That's true. That, that's true. That's the problem. So, I mean, to even build upon that, and that's part of the reason why we've integrated our mentorship program with Michigan State University is when I went to them and saying, Hey, I kind of have this really wild idea. I'm Kind of a new budding business but i've been in the i've been in the industry for the last decade i was lucky enough to get out of school when i was 23 because mm-hmm. those first 10 years it was just like all right i'm just gonna sit and watch right you know so I, I come to them and i say we have to do something different and they say well actually we're trying to do something different and part of it was exactly that we the university they had acknowledged that this is a problem and they need to do something about it. Because if we start to talk about mental health and we start to talk about engagement, we start to talk about inclusion, we start to talk about all these different things that we need as a team,
1: mm-hmm.
0: no one would support them. No no, no, one, no, one outside of that university setting and even, even to some capacity, even within a clinical setting, they didn't have clinicians who were supporting them. I mean, this was pretty much on the administrative side and kind of the dean's office. They were like, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. They wrote grants. Grants for it, million dollar grants. Yeah. And they're like, we, we need to really actively engage our students and try to cr- cr- fix this. You know, this is as best as we can. Throw some water on the fire. It might not put it out, but can we at yeah. least not make it a brush fire? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> and that's then when I came in and I said, OK, we're on the same page. I said, what is it going to take? to get this done and they're like well we don't really have any money to do it and I was like okay how much money do you actually need yeah. and you know they're like wow we were hoping to get a million and you know uh you know and put that into an investment account and you know generate about thirty thousand dollars a year and that allow us to get the program set up and I'm like 30k a year and they're like, "Yeah." I'm like I'll give you 30k a year yeah and they're like what like just this guy from northern Wisconsin grew up in Grand Rapids Michigan from Michigan State University is going to shell it out I'm like yeah I'll dedicate five years to it well why would you do that I said, because we have to do something different. If you as a university are saying that you have identified this problem that I identified in private practice and we're coming together on this idea and everyone else you've tried to engage isn't doing it, I'll put my money where my mouth is. Simply because, I mean, one, I have no value in money. It's kind of a weird thing like to me.
1: Well, when you made your nut, it's just a tool.
0: It's a tool, exactly. And that's exactly how I saw it. I said, this is a tool for change. This is a way for us to say, we're going to integrate to the university and we're going to make a better place for students. And I had, I had a, um, she, um, an ex coworker. She had said to me, "She's like, why would you give you know why would you give them that much money?" I said, "I want to help people that I've never met before and I'll never meet again, mm-hmm. you know, or the, I'll never have the opportunity to meet because it's the ideal. It's this change in that university setting." So to answer your question, you know, or you know, sort of your your statement and saying, you know, why would the university change? It's like they have to even acknowledge that it's a problem, and if they if they are unwilling to acknowledge that it's even a problem, because you know, when when I talked to MSU they had said, so there's exit interviews, right? So exit interviews is basically when you come out of vet school, they're going to interview you. What's your experience? And they said their exit interviews for the last 15 years have changed none. It's the same exit interview for 15 years. We hated it. This was terrible. You know, it negatively impacted my life. I got a divorce because I was so unhappy. I I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. What did I actually get out of it? It hadn't changed 15 years. Yeah. And so they have to acknowledge that. So why did it go on for 15 years? Why, why did it have to go that long before someone stepped up and said, because it's incredibly hard. It is. We have tradition. We have the onset of corporate and we have this other third thing that we're building. And tradition, if we're saying that it comes up in the university setting, um, now what? Now what if that's what we're taught in? What are we supposed to? But we're, we're taught the wrong skills. You know, is that we taught, you know, how to, again, problem solve and do, you know, veterinary related tasks. But um, in the end, you know, it's, we haven't been taught culture. We haven't been taught business strategy. We haven't been taught self-worth. We haven't been taught a lot of these things. Um, and that was actually the the story with our current mentee. Um, mm-hmm. Is it, 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 honest to God, I, I didn't even realize the impact I was having. And I think I told you before, I mean, it really honestly brought tears to my eyes. So she had um, come into our um, company uh, as sort of just like a passerby. It was mm-hmm. just uh, her boyfriend was up here doing some work with the, um, medical school uh, through Wisconsin, Uh, but anyway, she was just passing by the clinic. Hey, there's a 24 hour clinic. Um, I wonder if they have anything I can do for the summer. And I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, the mentorship program was rudimentary. It was not really that developed, but it was like, yeah, we can figure something out for Mm -hmm. you. You know, just come hang out. You know, we'll always take help. And, you know, one of my big things was, okay, you know, I, you know, I can, you know, volunteer and so on and so forth. I'm like, first of all, (laughs) No one in our company falls on their sword. I said, if you're working here, you will get paid, and your pay is going to be an acceptable. It's not going to be minimum wage; it's going to be an acceptable rate that we pay our employees. And you're going to make some money this summer. Yep. Wow. And you're going to have benefit. You know, whatever happens to be Mm -hmm. that. You know, uh, living stipend if you need it. You know, those types of things. Um. And we did our thing. Yeah, It was just for the summer. That's just what the summer was. It was like, yep, come meet what we are. Come see what we are. Come with this, come with this, come, this, come this. And then she's like, this has been an amazing experience for the summer. And I'm like, oh, you know what? It was great having you up here. I really enjoyed it. Um, and then about a month went by, and we got a card in the mail. And it was mm-hmm. from her. Mm-hmm. And I opened it. It was like, oh, pretty nice thank you card. You know, I mean, we get thank you cards. You're like, yeah, yeah, right, you know. But so I'm reading through it, and it's like, and it was like the same moment, like my heart sank, but then was immediately filled with the most amount of joy I've ever had, and you know, in a very, very long time. I mean, aside from like, there's happy things like your kids are born, and you know that kind of thing. Professional, professional joy, joy professional mm-hmm. joy, exactly. Because up to her coming in. You know, I've been working hundred-hour weeks. I've been busting ass. I've been trying to do everything to get this company off the ground from my vision because the business was running, but you know, at least to get it to where it needs to be—to not be this, not be this, but to be the third thing we're trying to create. Lots of long hours, and it's just you put all this work into it, and you know, it hurts when people you know uh, speak ill of it. But for mm-hmm. me, it's if you speak ill of it, perfect. Where's the problem? Where's the solution? How can I implement it? So please talk trash because I'll figure a way to fix it. That you know. Yep. But the letter was that. Now, because this was she was a first year becoming a second year vet mm-hmm. student. So it was that first to second year. And basically the context of the letter was, is it was I was out. Yeah, I was done. She's like the first year of vet school was terrible. Um, I'm unhappy. My mental health is terrible. Um, you know, in the clinics that I've worked at in the past, the veterinarians are stressed the hell out. They're trying to run a business, but they can't. They work long hours. They hate their jobs, but they can't get out because of the debt, right? They can't get out, and the culture's terrible, and they're getting negative reviews, and their staff is hey hates them. They hate the staff. Whatever it happens to be, she's like, I had no idea. I had no idea that was the state of the affairs in the profession. And she's like, but I thought it was just one place, right? You know, and it's like, but then there's another one like that, mm-hmm. and you know, she's in the vet schools like this, and this, like, and she's like, she's like, this is it for me. She yeah. was like, if if this summer experience was as negative as all my prior experiences were been, she's like, I wouldn't have done second year vet school. Right. There's no sense in me continuing to suffer negatively, mental health, to accrue more debt. I'll just figure out something else to do. Mm-hmm. And she's like, but working with you and your team for two and a half months, three months, she says, not only have I completely become rejuvenated for my joy in this profession, but I only want to work with you and your team. Right. And that was it. That was it. I'm even now, I'm doing good now because I've I've said enough (laughs) times. Yeah. But it was, it was one of those moments where I was like, holy shit, we're making a difference. Yep. You know, it's just that little, tweak that little you know the little person coming in they're just looking for something for you know nothing and you didn't you know as a business we didn't really invest a whole lot to recruit this person they just it was a passerby Mm -hmm. but it was the right time it was the right time for her it was the right time for us it was the right time where it was like i needed that boost to say just don't stop yep just don't stop and she needed that boost because just don't stop yeah. Just keep going. There's yep. an incredible amount to happen in this profession. We're all moving west. Just come with us. We need leaders. We need more people on the wagon train. We have to move west.
1: Yeah. It's funny, too, because um, from as a third party uh, in that uh, engagement, yep. I had met, met her just one day for an hour. Sure. because And it was within her first week um which you guys had integrated as a part of your onboarding process yeah um reason being culture was number one yeah because you understood this shit's broken yeah so we need to do we need to just keep trying stuff uh, that's different yeah like let's see what fits let's see what doesn't like yeah. we're just gonna have to build a new toolbox yeah for this third system yeah. that hasn't Yep. I mean, to a point, no shape at that point. Yep. And now it's starting to get there because yep. you continue to try stuff. Yeah. Right. And I remember in that conversation, um, you know, we had done enough of those assessments where it's like, yeah. I kind of know yeah. typically what uh, what we're looking at industry-wide. Yep. Had over 100 samples of just what are, what do these data points look yep. like for those that are listening or yep. watching. In the like, tricore assessment. Yep. Yeah. It's, yep. that it's it's three parts, behavioral, motivational, as well as some sort of how your brain takes in data. Yeah uh industry-wide at least through your company it was i i kind of know what i'm looking at yeah. and i saw a person that didn't match that right and then like i didn't know her situation no i didn't know that she and i don't know if many of us really did no 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 um, god none of us did it was just oh we have a mentee for the summer cool right But right? no, there was no pressure and the funny part about it was just from my my perspective as an outsider was like you're different. Mm-hmm. And I told her that was like the first thing I told her. Mm-hmm. I was like, you have this set of traits that's not going to align very closely with those that are very heavy in your industry. Yep. You're a more direct personality. Yep. You're probably gonna get called a bitch a lot. Yep. A lot. Yeah. Because you're willing to be more direct. Yeah, better. and I love bitches. Yeah. I mean absolutely because yeah. there's no guessing.
0: Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I love direct talkers. Yes. You know. So yeah.
1: she's got that. her motivational profile was much different. Yep. And and she was a systems thinker. She was she wasn't she wasn't very much of a, a of a black and white type person, yeah. which those three things mm-hmm. compared to the industry, almost exact opposites. Yeah. And and yeah. not to say that the opposite doesn't have value, it's just a different type of value. Correct. And, and there's a high volume of it. Correct. Correct. So you take that and then I look at her and I'm just like, You just need to learn how to be you. Right. Like if whether or not that's in this industry or somewhere else, right. if you try to go away from who you are, yeah it's gonna suck, Absolutely. you're not going to like it. No. So in this industry what you're going to get is a lot of influence saying you can't be that. Yep. And I had seen that in a number of different industries with right. a number of different people because yep. they were being coached out of who they are yep. and that's one of the most stressful things that's that we don't realize uh, happens. happens. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. When you tell me, like for me, if you were to tell me to be less engaging, right. as an example. Which, I mean, that would be terrible. It would be ridiculous, yeah, yeah, right? Um, let's just hypothetically. But that's my leading trait. Like, right. I love to be engaging. I love to talk. I love yeah. to I love to create good experiences for yep. people. Put me in an environment where you curb that and say, well, actually, do just do this. Do your job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm demotivated. I'm out like Done. real quick. Yeah. <clears throat> so she was in a similar spot, but not realizing it. Yeah. Because no one had provided her that set of variables yeah. where it's like, Oh yeah, that's why I'm different. Right. The, and, yeah. and that's then I core so powerful. Exactly. Yeah. So you take that and then when you prep the team, uh, at least on the administrative level that handled the majority of the mentorship guidance and all yep. like she she had worked with a number of different folks that didn't understand yep. uh, at least on a data level that she was that different. But yep. from from you, mm-hmm. uh, Katie and Annie, yep. um, you guys knew and yep. you treated her yep. appropriate to what her style was. Yeah. And then you get that letter. Right. Months later. Right. It's like, oh, totally unknown. A to- yeah. 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 And, and, and it worked. Right. And, yep. and that's when you take that moment of like, yep, you have culture, uh, and going back to the idea of this corporate level, yep. corporate culture is completely unindividualized. It Absolutely. is group-based culture. Yep. It is, it is trying to coach you into fitting our company model. Yep. It's a war of attrition yep. and it's, in it, and it, what it does is it breeds groupthink because sure. you like, let's take our bond alignment. If yep. you take corporate medicine and you have a, one individual bond alignment and You end up all on one way, right. there's only one way to do it, and you ju- it just feeds itself. Yep. So, on our side, it's like, nope, horribly individualized, uh, terribly. Yeah, it, yeah, it, 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 it we to need to the point individualization, where, right? Yes, it, and it's in it, and there's a lot of work involved in that, yeah. and, and there's a lot of maintenance involved in that yeah. too. Because when you have people that are treated as individuals and they're not. Super skilled in 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 communication all that sort of stuff. You're gonna have conflict also. So you have your front end and you have your back end, Mm -hmm. and 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 I think the reason that corporate goes away from it is mostly due to the back end because dealing with conflict from especially from a higher level is very very difficult. But that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Clearly, you had somebody who's. I I mean, I would say she's extremely has an extreme level of potential very very uh, intelligent incredibly. yeah um and now that she's bought in it's like ooh, boy yep. she's going to be dangerous in yep. this industry absolutely. In, a, in, a, in a great way absolutely very effective mm-hmm. going to be very direct going to in, and is going to be able to hit this alignment spectrum so mm-hmm. we are going to be able to understand culture better than if we were to have somebody that came in five years into the industry or yep. any you know something yep. like that yeah once they've kind of been sort of set in tradition in, right. yep, tradition yeah it's mm-hmm. very hard to but the reason that it worked is because she bit on the idea of culture mm-hmm. from day one mm-hmm. uh, with it, within our, with our model. Yep. So n- number one, that's freaking awesome. Right. <laughs> right. But number two, how do you get, how do you get to do that? Or how do you teach other people to do that? Right. You know, and that's the question for, I think, Michigan State. Yeah. Because you've got this house system that's, that's, it's like, it's touching that. Yep. It, it, yeah. It's not quite dove into that yeah. to a certain level, yeah. but that's the idea. And that's why you bought into it because yeah. that's, what's broken. Yeah. We're trying to group these kids and there is a part of it definitely from, I mean, you see over a hundred of these, yeah. they're it's being like coached to, to be motivated in a certain way mm-hmm. and to behave in a certain way yeah. and for their brains to work black and white, gray, whatever high empathy, yeah. um, uh, it, it, there there is a there's definitely coaching because we see it across the board with vets techs ms yeah, or our medical support, support staff yeah. there's a coaching level yep which is like then you have to break it you You're have right. to get to the true person <sighs> right. um yeah. and, and then uh engage that person yeah so if we can do that yeah a step before they get here which is the mentorship level Yep. and, and even like constantly within the education system yep. that's to me is the first step in breaking this culture piece because yeah. then I'm not disparaged anymore mm-hmm. because the other thing too about knowing yourself is knowing your flaws it, that's right. one of my favorite conversations right. to have with people yeah. is yes you have a lot of strengths right let's say you're a part of the typical 80% there's right. a lot of strengths in there. Right. Here's where your weaknesses are. Right. You're going to talk about learn. them. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about them. Let's get them out on the table. Let's figure yeah. out how you're going to manage them because I'm I'm not going to tell you to not be right. that. Right. I'm not going to tell you to be something else to mitigate your right. weaknesses. It's like, no, just understand them. Right. And then have know the person that doesn't have those weaknesses work together. Right. Why steer into your strengths. Right. Don't worry about your weaknesses just right. figure out how to deal with it you're you're actually a very good example of that, especially uh-huh. as of late because mm. um, you uh, you've gotten to the point where you're you're I don't know if you've noticed you're exceptionally more willing to delegate yeah uh, I know yes. I, I know a part of it was out <laughs> of necessity. <laughs> Cause you know, you can only work so much. <laughs> right. Um, I agree. I've gotten a lot better at delegating it, it, but it's tough for a lot of people, especially <laughs> yeah. those that have a business business owner mindset yeah. because there's trust included in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that idea of steering into your strengths, knowing what they are, accepting yeah. them and knowing what other people's strengths are. When you brought Annie onto the team, yeah. that was the first go of right. like, Oh yeah, she's really good at that stuff. Right. Absolutely. I'm going I'm going to empower and engage you on that level yeah. as much as I can Yep. because then we can be twice as strong. Yep. Um, and when you hit that disparagement side of, yep, I'm going to knock you off your pedestal a little bit, yep. and then I'm going to bring you back up onto it. Yep. And, but, but it's going to be in a much more humble way. Absolutely. And that, I think that's the biggest difference is yeah. you can be on a pedestal. You can understand that you have a level of knowledge that value. most people don't have. Yep. You're able to provide value that yep. most people can't get anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You certainly, I mean, you might be able to get the same information from Google, but the value of the direction Context. isn't there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, have all of that, but also be humble about it. Right. Understand that there are the, all of these other parts included. Understand the fact that your caregivers aren't do not have that level of education, no. and you have to guide them yeah. within this bond spectrum. Right. And this is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to tend to behave. And guess what? Other caregivers, yeah. they're not going to like you all the time. Yeah. No. You just have to. You just have to be okay with that. Right. You're just gonna have to be yourself. Yeah. If yeah. you hit 80 percent of the time, 90 percent of the time, yep. that's a glaring success. Absolutely. If you miss on 10 percent, just because of you are being yourself, because right. that even happens with you. There oh, are absolutely. some caregivers that just do not align with I hate you. my guts. Right. I'm the most terrible person on the face of the planet. Right. right. Yeah. yeah check google right <laughs> please do please do yeah. because in know I, I remember uh when i was more on the third party uh level you know a few of those complaints getting the full context it's like well for me you didn't do anything wrong right but they just didn't get it they that's that 10 percent that's just not they're just yep. not going to match up with you because yep. of something yep. that didn't make you go away from who you are right, right. It just it actually edified you to a point because it's like, oh man, I really did what I was—I—I I was me, right? In that in that moment, right. and medically, I didn't do anything incorrectly. Correct, Yep. So yeah. you take all of that. It, so the disparagement that's that's hit on that, you know, yep. in terms of uh, the the uh, failed engagement. Um, yep. I mean, I'm teaching people how to engage through right. that thing, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> you know, and I think I think you know, I, I kind of laugh because you know we talk about tradition, we talk about corporate, we talk about kind of this separate thing that we're doing. Paul Helve, I think one of the one of the really really good critiques uh, to a sort of individual based team is that individuals can't work together. So you know, so let's say you have you know sort of corporate look down and saying, well, that's never going to work because how can you maintain individualism and still have a team? Right. And it's like, but well, first of all, that's one. That's exactly what we're doing. Two, it's working like hell. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, You know, but I think that you can, you can take that and there's kind of two ways you can go with. So one corporate is going to say that's trash. That'll never work. Mm -hmm. But I think when you look at it and saying, okay, well we're, we are really trying to maintain individuality. We're trying to find out. And that's why the tricore is so effective is you learn, like you can do a behavior assessment, Myers Briggs. I mean, there's all these things out there doing behavior assessments and you know, who are, who are you as a person? But the nice thing about the tricor is like you said, it really helps you focus on not just who you are, but how you integrate into the team. Mm-hmm. on an individual level. We're not talking bond spectrum. We're talking about individual level, right. how you integrate in the team, what motivates you and how do you act in that capacity. Um, but I, I think, you know, so you, you can have individuals who take this mindset of culture and saying, well, I'm just being me. I'm just being me and I can do that because I'm Mm -hmm. just being me Mm -hmm. and it's like well yes and no we definitely want you to be yourself but also acknowledge that there are certain parts of you that are stronger than others and those stronger parts are what we're trying to pull out but we're also going to identify these weaknesses to say these weaknesses are not just because we're telling you how bad you are it's because these weaknesses are going to give us opportunities for growth and I think when we start to then talk about core values and we start to talk about what our process is we talk about our performance system and so on and so forth that's what we're talking about is these these weaknesses and like you said i I agree with you it wasn't actually um in the you may you may or may not remember back but when we originally started working together Mm -hmm. it was actually really hard for me to accept what those weaknesses were without feeling like they were personal attacks right it's it's
1: damn near impossible it's a it's a knee-jerk reaction but you were taught to do that in school (laughs) right you're trying to knock me off this pedestal in any way i'm gonna defend it i'm gonna fight it and and that's not just a medical school thing that's everybody that's
0: everybody and, you know, I think uh, once you said, you know, so I had, I had made some growth, you know, recently delegating tasks and trusting the team and so on and so forth. Um, but I think that's one of the more significant things that I've learned in the last couple of years of us working together is why am I allowing certain situations and certain people to touch me? Mm-hmm. Why, why am I allowing that person who clearly doesn't understand what we were talking about? And, you know, I, I, some of my worst complaints, honest to God, some of my worst complaints have come for cases where I've put five hours into those people, right? Some of the, where I've spent the amount of time on just, I remember one, it was between phone calls, hospitalized patient to in-person consultations. I mean, I had tallied up the time and it was 90 minute phone calls at a time. And I had put at least eight hours into these people people mm-hmm. i got a, i got a i got a board complaint against the state and of course nothing was upheld because there was nothing done wrong medically mm-hmm. but it was still that thing where you know i it, it just crushed me i'm like mm-hmm. i did all of this work and these people still weren't and they were happy they were unhappy because their terminal patient died i mean that was the context mm-hmm. of the conversation mm-hmm. um is i mean we still hospitalized and we you know we did what they wished and so on and so forth but anyway you know part of that was then coming into i'm like wait a second but why am I actually allowing this to impact me negatively? Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't necessarily respect these people at all. So if I have no respect for them and they have no respect for me, then why am I actually allowing their disrespect to affect me? Mm -hmm. And it was done. I was like, it's not that I'm untouchable because I think we all have the ability to learn. I think we all have the capability of making mistakes. I think we all have... The ability to accept our weaknesses and those weaknesses and strengths will change over time, and I think that's part of what our team is: is we just learn to work together as individuals, and it works. Yeah, it's 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 an environment that it, it does, and I think, um, you know, I had my first experience with that when I was in veterinary school, where it was I had gotten through my preclinicals. It was the very first rotation I had ever been on, where I'm actually seeing patients, and I was excited, mm-hmm. and it was full blown high eye Carlo. It was like, you know, like hey guys, nice to meet. You. Yep, yep, yep. Handshake. Oh my God, I'm here. You guys are here, and that was day one of this rotation. Day two, the head of the rotation, which is you know, quote unquote, the scariest person in the hospital. Yep. Took me uh, to her office and sat me down, and I'm like, Hey, what's, hey, what's going on, doctor? You know, what's going on? You know, and she's like, I just want to be clear. I'm like, Oh yeah, perfect. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I want to be clear. I don't like you. And I was like, Okay. And and. and? And she was like, um, the way you c- carry yourself, you're a little too cavalier. She's like, the way that you talk, the way that you address people, it leaves a really bad taste in people's mouth. What are you, the Fonz? You know. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm just looking at her, and I'm like, I was totally flabbergasted. Right. I was, like, it totally caught me off guard. And like the way she was talking, there were smirks, and you know, I could look in her eyes, and I could see in her eyes, and I'm like, I said to her, I said, Nah, you like me. I said, You like me. And uh-huh. she's like, What? And I'm like, No, I can see it in you. You like me. And I said, Part of what you don't like in me is what you wish you could be. And then I failed the rotation. So, you know, the, but it was, but I saw it in her. I saw this individual who I could tell she had a very caring demeanor about her. Cause obviously she's in the university level, treating patients, dealing with caregivers. Right. And I could see it in her. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not playing the game. Yeah. I'm not I'm not playing that part that you were constructed to be and now you're upset because I'm doing it. Right. I'm not doing what you're supposed to do here. Right. Failed the rotation mm-hmm. and I was like Okay, fine. I'll play the game for the yep. next two years. Yep. I'm gonna get out of here yep. and then I'm gonna go do whatever the hell I want. Right. But it never touched me. And that was the first time and I, I think part of what it was is it was like I didn't know who this person was. I didn't mm-hmm. know why they were talking to me this way, but I knew who I was, and I knew the value that I had and could. It was in its very infant state. I understand now after I was working together and the things that we were doing. I understand that I have an infinite more amount of value than I had when I was in veterinary school mm-hmm. um, for the fundamentals that we can establish and what we're doing from a business standpoint and industry wide things. But last back then, I could feel it. Yeah. Now I have more construct. To, here's the things that I can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. But it was like, why are you touching me right
1: now? Well, that's the thing, though. Like, I'm the, I'm the same way, and I I've I've had opportun- or instances in my life where somebody's tried to knock me off of that high engagement level. Yeah. And depending on the the construct. Yeah. Um, Horribly deep motivational like oh, you probably yeah. showed up to those and didn't get really I mean you cared yeah. because you were there were patients there Yeah, absolutely. but in terms of engagement it's like fuck it. Yeah, like, exactly. Why do I care? Yeah, right um, yeah, and, exactly. I, yeah. and I've been in the same spot, but this is this is my fear with something like that And I've and I've seen it in different industries with different people Do you take somebody that's high engaging like that? And I'm, I'm very empathetic to that because I'm out of a hundred. I'm a 99 in terms sure. of I which is that outgoing engaging nature Yep. Yeah, yeah high I High, ultra high, ultra high. Yeah, and my 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 high empathy with that leads to a fear that when we teach people to not be that, they're that sometimes, and then when they're not, they're really not. Yeah, and when I call it the curse of the high eye, is when I because me when I'm not super engaging, people think I'm really mad. Yeah, really (laughs) mad. And there are days that I am, but there yeah. are some days I'm low energy or whatever yeah. it might be. I yeah. just don't quite have the juice that I normally that I normally yeah. have. Right. I don't put as much into the team as I normally do. Right. And then people think I'm pissed. Right. Super pissed. Mm-hmm. So you take somebody like you, but that doesn't have the perspective of like eh, that's just me. Right. So I'm gonna survive this and then I'm yeah. like gonna go be it again. Survive mode, right? <laughs> You take because we have uh, a few folks on the team that are actually in this in a similar boat but didn't have the perspective yeah. Yeah. to be like no, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just get through this and I'm gonna be the high eye yeah. that I am. Yeah and then when they get pissed everyone on the teams or when they drop that engagement yeah. level everyone thinks that they're mad yeah. and then they can't be approached right. or they, they they don't approach them they can very much be approached yeah they can be but it's they, the perception yeah. it's the perception mm-hmm. because holy shit is that a hard barrier to get over because yeah. if you're mad at me mm-hmm. why do I want to walk up to you yeah so if you you were taught that yeah. from an immediate absolutely
0: yeah yeah and that's part of the disparagement you know the, right you know, and right yeah.
1: mm-hmm. but that that just leads I mean there's number one there was that but number two then you were taught a horrible lack of humility. Oh Because yeah. what did that person do? She just swung her dick around and was <laughs> just like, Nope, you're gonna listen to me. <laughs> right, right. Because this is what I have and this right. is what you don't have. Right. And maybe the day that you have it you can go do this to somebody else. Yeah. How and, effective is that? Yeah. In a in a teaching
0: environment. Right. Like that that's the part for me that like I will accept that behavior in a corporate environment because that is my expectation in corporate America. I, I have that expectation in corporation of hierarchy, people with power, subservient nature to the employment regime. I mean, that that is how I see corporate America. Not not yeah. our corporate, but, you know, the corporate America in general. Mm-hmm. You can't put that in a university. You can't have that in a university. You can't have that hierarchy there where it's supposed to teach. It's like you know. I think about you know my my um, oldest daughter. Um, she's about to go into um, first grade, and mm-hmm. it's like her going and trying to learn mathematics, and it's the teacher being like, you know what, you're terrible at math. And she's like, but I'm here trying to learn math. Right. Like, I'm here trying to learn how to read. I'm here trying to learn the color wheel. I'm trying to learn these. Well, you're pretty terrible at it. Right. And um, I'm going to be the one who has the information for you. And one day you'll have it, but it is not today. So you might as well just listen to what I'm
1: doing. Mm -hmm. Where? Well, and definitely don't smile your way through it. No. Don't be nice. No. Don't Mm -hmm. be engaging. I don't like you because of one behavioral trait. Mm -hmm. And now I'm telling you that you suck at it. I'm telling you don't behave the way that you normally do or want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And think
0: about on the elementary level. What what happens then in just like a group of students where then you have students who are struggling? Adderall. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Adderall. Yeah, because the the students aren't helping each other. Right. You know, and that's I'm not going to get into my whole, you know, uh, gripes with the, um, you know, education system. But Mm -hmm. I've always I've always felt the education system should also be a group approach. You know, is it's like it doesn't matter in a school system, education system. You're always going to have the smart kids. Yeah, you're always going to have the kids that are less intelligent. Those kids are st- still going to be there. There's no reason why you're not still going to have oil separating on water when it comes to level of intelligence. But what if there's an opportunity from an education standpoint at a very very young age where it's all done together. Mm-hmm. You know, stop the standardized testing. Stop the stop, you know, just there's going to be people where not everyone's going to be able to be a doctor. Not every doctor can be a mechanic. No. You know, not no. not every doctor can um, you know, the work the, the the front end of their own clinic. Right. So for me it's you know, I I highly value trade jobs. I highly value those students who right out of school are going right into trade. I mean, Mike Rowe has a whole system that, you mm-hmm. know, he's doing even at the at the high school level, um you know, my mom and both my parents have been educators for, you know, decades at this point. They just retired. Your know, mom was think like thirty five years, my dad with twenty some years of teaching. Um, you know, and one of the things that they integrated in towards the end is Skills USA. I don't know if you're familiar with Skills USA. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah Skills USA. Bunch of high school students learning trade work. Like yeah that is an amazing thing for students Mm -hmm. because it it teaches them the value of where the jobs are, of where the income is, of where don't get debt. Don't do this, do something that'll make you money, make you happy, have a good family and move, you know, move on with your life. It's the same. It's, that's what I'm saying. So in the elementary school level, it's, uh, you would never consider putting an environment together where there isn't tr- absolute support among students and teachers and administrators. Same thing applies to the high end of the education level. These are still kids. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, these are still kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, fine, they're graduating veterinary school and technical school in their mid-20s, but honestly, I think about myself coming out of vet school at 23, and I look backwards now on that, I'm 37 in a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I just look back and I'm like, oh, I was such a baby. Right, You right. know, like the amount just of- Just naive <laughs> to the world. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Which it was actually good. It was good being that naive coming out of school because I was still me. I hadn't been broken yet. Right. You know, and that's, I think, part of when we start to talk about how you fix culture, you fix it early. And when we talk about the hurricane, talk mm-hmm. about the tornado, this is that whole side we're talking about. If we can fix culture at the university level, at the teaching level, before these um, specialists come out, before these veterinarians come out, before these technicians come out, if we can fix just that part, mm-hmm. we have done so much for the profession. Right. And then we start to look at popping through the hurricane, and now we're starting to not even put students into the hurricane. Now we're saying, guess what? You're coming out of school, and guess what you're on? You're on cleanup crew. Yeah. We're here to clean up the aftermath of the profession. Right. We're here to clean up the aftermath of the destruction. You don't have to go through what we went through. Just because we went through that doesn't mean you need to go through that because we went through that. Mm-hmm. This is this is not a... a It's not a rite of passage. It's not a rite of passage. Exactly. So that's what's going to happen if we can fix the university side. But until we can, and Michigan State is doing a fantastic job trying to start out fixing that university side, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's being received with wild success, is that now we're saying on the business side, we're saying, guess what? we are now building the culture that you have been sort of groomed into and guess what you can come in when your students first year students second year students third fourth year students pre-clinical post-clinical uh, technicians veterinarians just learn it come for a week come for a month come for whatever it is we'll pay your travel we don't care just come check it out just hang out with us mm-hmm. it's 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 the it's the mentee story you know, yeah. it's just come in and learn what it is. So, right. um, you know, so that's, that's really, I mean, mm-hmm. I know we kind of touched a little bit on some of our mentorship and core values and some of these other things, engagement. But when you kind of have this conversation, which I'm sure has spanned about two hours now, mm-hmm. um, is that that is culture. Right. That is a cultural problem with our profession. And you can't, you can write a book on it. You can, definitely. Mm-hmm. But for as many as many touches, as many connections as there are, as many parts as there are to that particular web that is just culture, um, there's a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. But the fundamentals to correct it, the fundamentals to fix it, they're actually pretty basic. Yeah. You know, and like you've said, they've been proven in other industries to yeah. work.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the books uh, that I would recommend everybody read and uh, is in our clinic is yeah. uh, The Culture Code by yeah. uh, Daniel Coyle because yeah. he 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 wrote the book on it. And yeah. It's so funny because Fun the entire book sources around two variables. Now, you're, you're talking about a highly complex system highly of managing complex. a culture. Yeah. Yeah. Two variables. Safety and yeah. vulnerability. Right. Is it safe for me to share? No. And can I be vulnerable within that environment? Yeah, well, I, I cannot have, have one without the other. Absolutely. And that's what makes it so complicated. Yes. Because as soon as my safety goes down, my vulnerability goes down. Yeah. And as soon as that goes down, I have to create more structure yep. to try and make you make you feel safe. Yep. And then it just it just it can spiral down. Yeah. But it can also spiral back up. Yeah. It's 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 highly volatile uh, yep. if you're not controlling it. Yeah. But that's it. It's it's two variables. Yeah. Like he he does go on to talk about uh humility, uh, and one other one that I can't think of offhand, but it it's that's it. Yeah. And it's and you talk about all of these things uh that within our, our our failed culture, and it's like they completely go against it. Mm-hmm. You weren't able to be vulnerable in that in that environment straight out of school.
0: No. no, and actually the only safety, if you want to talk about culture, the only safety that I had in veterinary school. Was probably two or three very very close friends, right? You know, and part of you know me, of course, having that high component mm-hmm. is oh yeah. Every weekend, every weekend, you would just plan on Riolo throwing some type of party, whether it was tailgate, <laughs> whether it was, you know. I mean, truthfully, I mean, for yeah. you know, for th- years, you know, and some of the some of the students were second lifers, so they came back to a college environment in their late twenties. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had worked for a period of time, and you know, for me, it was all part of that, like you know, hey, let's just be happy, let's just be together, right? You know, and um, that. where a lot of people were really sort of um banking on those times where it's like we're just going to go over to carlos and we're just going to unwind it doesn't matter what we unwind we are just going to be ourselves right because in his environment that he has created for us outside of veterinary school is we're just going to be ourselves for this time period
1: right you know and i would i would say too just to kind of source it with the book is in that environment, mm-hmm. there's probably a little bit of whiskey involved, whatever. I, you know, but yeah, regardless, yeah. Well, if you device. had a conversation or or there were two other individuals that weren't you having a conversation about a new idea, how was that idea received? It was there was probably a likely critical nature to it because that's Absolutely. the way we all think. Yep. But it wasn't critical for the point of like just knocking you down. It Absolutely. wasn't disparagement. No. It was how can we make it better? Absolutely, and that breeds vulnerability. Absolutely, that safety. Safe spaces are different. Yep, because right. that's like nope. I'm just gonna see all of your vulnerabilities. And I'm gonna put a big old shell around it. Right, and right, and that right. doesn't work. No. so no. you. So that's yeah. but that's the difference. Is yeah. Uh, to, uh, Pixar was one of the examples in the book so when they had originally pitched toy story which i was sure. the first movie of pixar right, right. steve jobs tore it apart mm. and he said this is how you can make it better right go do it and next when you come back i'm going to be extremely grateful and i'm gonna reward you right for making this better and they were empowered yep versus right. the other side right. here's a new idea yeah i don't like it yep
0: <laughs> done right, right. I I absolutely agree with that that perspective or that particular example, because that is what our performance growth is. Mm-hmm. For me, like in uh, one of our doctors who um, it took us about a year, year and a half to kind of get around the bend a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, she had uh, texted me here. Uh, you know, we were kind of you know conversing back and forth because some of it was in person as well. Um, but part of it was uh, she's like, I feel like I'm starting to fall back on old behavior. And she's like, I feel like I'm going down this spiral. I feel like these things are starting to creep back in. I've made so much progress over. Over the last I've made more progress in the last three months than I've made in the last you know year and a half 18 months mm-hmm. um, and she said but I feel like I'm going backwards and I said well hold on a second here. First of all, we can never have the expectation of constant improvement. Right. You can never just always get better. No. I said, so you have to accept that as the natural ebb and flow of personal development, you're going to have setbacks, you're going to have move forwards. I said, but the, the reality is, I said, never ever be afraid of failure. Never ever be afraid of a setback. I said, because what that allows us to do, one, we're going to own it. Mm-hmm. Two, we're gonna find out what those variables are. This was bad. This was bad. This was bad. What's our solutions to that, and how can we implement it? Right. And that's you know part of the the TED dynamic, and you know the the empowerment triangle and our empowerment dynamic yep. is basically saying when you when you stop becoming, when you start to see these people who are self victimizing, and you can grab them and pull them up, you know, sort of in, into this next this next realm. And you can coach them into that and saying, Yeah, I don't I don't really care whether or not you fail. I don't, you know, because at least we now have a new set of variables to work on. Right. You know, and that's that's how I that's how I wake up every single day. What didn't I get done yesterday that I really wanted to get done yesterday? I'm a failure because I didn't get it done. But what variable do I need to change in order to make it get done by the end of today? And that's part of then what I learned from you is just that exact point. You say, Oh, you're so much better at delegating now. Uh Uh-uh. I'm more willing to accept what I've failed at, you know? And from that failure, the solution then comes into, who can I delegate it to? That's the solution to my failure. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna be able to do it. I'm working 80, 90 hours a week. I understand there's only so much I'm gonna be able to do. And that's how we always started. I mean, we had kind of branched off from the traction model, but that was like every single meeting. We were meeting like every two weeks, was it? Something like that. Every two weeks, it was like, let's see what we failed on this time, you know? And it's like, what did we get done? Yeah, perfect, checkbox, checkbox, checkbox but yeah, fine, okay, that part's done, but what didn't we do? And I'm
1: yeah. like, oh, god You know, yeah. it's
0: like, ah, oh, these meetings, I'm looking at Katie, I'm like, um, maybe you got less done than I did, so you look like you didn't get as much done, you know? And it's like, you know, so there is that kind of in the beginning, but then as I've kind of learned the process, so now it kind of comes the other way, is now being highly in the implementation phase or implementation level of accountability, for me, it's like, you know, like Dr. Caroline, when she we were kind of having the online discussion, yeah, you know, which is awesome. I love when, I love when, uh, coworkers and stuff post things and we have big, long conversations about it. Um, you know, and her whole thing was sort of the gray area, you know, she's, Oh, there's so much gray area. There's so much on this particular point, there's so much gray area and I'm having a hard time. And, and like, for me, it's always like that reset where I was like, Oh, Hey, Caroline. Um, no, I was there three years ago. Um, Ben and I, you know, Ben, Ben has a lot more knowledge than I do on this particular point, but I'm black and white now. I said yeah. I can see why it's not gray. It is actually several different factors of black and white, and that's all that it is. Right? You know, and then that's when uh, her final uh, comment to that was like. Um, it's like I'm nauseated by your uh, what was it? What what did she write? Well, I'm
1: extremely di- I was extremely direct about yeah like the points basically not providing any level for nuance. Correct. Yes. And that's all that she was hoping for was, yeah, like, was like how do break. we manage this within this nuance? And the shitty part about managing something within a gray area yeah. is it's really hard to implement a solution yeah because you have like this will work some of the time. Yeah. But some of the time it's gonna, it's gonna, and that's why, um, I, again, I don't, I didn't disagree with her that nuance no. existed. No, 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 no. There's yes. a lot of gray a lot area of gray. exists. Absolutely. Yes, yes,
0: in this one particular point, a lot of gray area exists. But there are very black and white. You know solutions, mm-hmm. and there are ways we can implement it, and we're the team to do it. And that yeah. and that's what and it does,
1: it does drive her nuts. Yeah, and I've does. done I've done it to her in person too, <laughs> where it's like, no, Caroline, this is just what it is. Yeah, like, yeah. You you yeah. can uh, one of the things that she she does talk about openly, and I respect is is just her constant um battle with like anxiety and yeah. her mental state. Oh, absolutely. Yep. And and I look I looked at her last time that she was at the clinic, and I worked with her. And I'm like, why? Yeah, you're a great doctor. Absolutely, you have all of the skills. Absolutely, you're extremely well engaged with people. Yeah, you're humble. Yeah. What do you What are you scared of? Right, it, somebody not liking you. What's right. the worst? That uh, the, one of the things that I will give uh, my my uh, my friend Jen a lot of credit on. Yeah, because I used to have a similar issue because of being high I. Yeah. I want everyone to like me. Right. What's the absolute worst thing that can happen? Uh, right. The yeah. absolute worst. Yeah. Uh, they don't like me and they never talk to me ever again that's it yeah. guess what I have a whole lot of people that really really like me and yeah. I just focus on that now yeah
0: it's a self-correcting problem right. if they don't like you and they're not going to talk to you ever again perfect
1: you don't have to talk to them ever again exactly you know it's you just a self-correcting be, you just have issue. to be willing yeah. to let them not like you absolutely um, yeah with, right. it, 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 and she had referred to it more within the within the industry yep. um, because one of the ways that you can get a caregiver to like you is by treating their patient to you, the point that they're back to health right? yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and that doesn't always happen clearly I mean like, yeah. uh, one out of five yeah. is is like yep. they're just not gonna leave yes yep. um, and uh, she, she she struggles with it because she wants to treat the patients to the point where that engagement with somebody never happens on a negative level yep and that creates anxiety for her yes. and it's like oh, yeah, yeah you just gotta just, yeah. just take your level of thinking up one extra level yeah. And I'm gonna be extremely black and white with you about this piece yep. because I need to get you up here. Mm-hmm. Just let this be straightforward yep. so that you can have more nuance up top. Yeah. Be gray above it. Yeah. And I
0: think, you know, honestly, for me as a practicing veterinarian, you know, over the last 13 years or 14 years or whatever it is, um, you know, I think the, the thing that I, there's a couple, couple of uh, fundamentals that I've learned, um, you know, the, the first one is everyone gets care. Yes, They may not get care with us in our clinic under sort of the variables that we have. They may not get it, um, but if we can do a little bit to make sure the patient has the best quality of life until they can find care somewhere else, Mm -hmm. fantastic. Sometimes that's as much as needs to get done, and you can walk away from that engagement feeling that you've at least done something. So first one is everyone gets care somewhere. Right. Second part is um, there's actually a lot of... Um, pride, Uh, there's a lot of um, sort of respect Uh, there's a lot of um, you know, I I don't want to say positivity but there's actually a lot to be said for actually being able to euthanize an animal yeah You know, and Mm -hmm. I think when we start to look at these diseases and whatever the disease happens to be, whether it's trauma to end stage failure to somewhere between, um, you know, even behavioral issues to overpopulation to, you know, all these different things, all these different fundamentals we have that lead towards or I'm sorry, these different scenarios that lead towards euthanasia. Mm -hmm. um, They don't have it on the human side. Nope. You know, there's humans have to suffer it out until the end. You know, dying with dignity has started to finally creep into certain states. And but I think for us is, you know, when I start to look at euthanasia and saying not every case, one in five cases statistically in our in our particular setting, uh, 24 hour, 24 hour care, mm-hmm. one in five is going to be euthanized. But for me, it's one in five patients we can end their suffering. Right. So well, I. Well, that's
1: right in the veterinarian's oath. Yep. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe it's the second sentence yeah. Yeah. Is, is, yeah. To, is to mitigate suffering. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So mm-hmm. that that's then, you know, for me, it's like everyone's going to get care somewhere. And euthanasia is the—it um, is always an acceptable treatment course to reduce pain and suffering. And that's right. what I tell people. I said our job as veterinarians is to reduce pain and suffering. Sometimes we can reduce pain and suffering with surgery. Sometimes we can reduce pain and suffering with medical management. Sometimes we can reduce pain and suffering with uh, early disease detection or with preventative disease. You know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. ways we can reduce pain and suffering. But euthanasia is a very, very finite way that we can reduce pain and suffering. Right. And when I talk about that with people, I say there's there's three expenses in our profession. The first expense is obvious. The first exp- and I say this to people. The first expense is financial. So that's how deep your pockets, how big is your wallet. Now, we have done a considerable amount of work in this world for financing, I mean, to payment agreements, I mean, to all these different things. So there's a lot that we're doing there, which will come in when we start to talk about service. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is financial expense. That's totally obvious. The next one, is emotional expense. Mm -hmm. This has nothing to do with the patient. This has everything to do with the caregiver. Right. So it's what is their bond alignment? What is their attachment? What is the way in which they see their, you know, is is it it a religious thing? You know, whatever happens to be. Sometimes you have very high emotional situations. Sometimes you have very low. Like an intestinal foreign body, pretty low emotion because it's pretty finite. Got a tennis ball in there. Just go get it, right? The other side of the spectrum then being where we have, you know, the... 20 year old cat with failure, you know, the, uh, even the young dog with, uh, like leptospirosis, a young yep. dog with a preventable disease who's now end stage failure. So there's right. a, an emotional component to it. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is the physical component and this is the patient. Mm-hmm. So we got money, we got caregiver, we got patient. There are three expenses in our profession and the physical expense is the greatest expense that anyone pays. You can always make more money and mm-hmm. you can always see therapy. But when it comes to the physical expense to the patient, there's very little that we can do if that is a very high expense to that animal. We right. got opiates. We got, we got treatments. I mean, we got hospitalization. We got a lot of this stuff. And what I tell people is I said, I don't want to talk about money. I don't want to talk about your emotional state because I'm not certified in that. I said, I want to talk about the actual physical expense of your patient and going through what we're about to go through. Some, some people think that, um, you know, like, like heat stroke. Some people think like hospitalization with IV fluid therapy and some of these things. Some people think that's actually a really, really high physical expense, you know, where they're like, oh, my God, they're in a clinic and they're not going to know anyone around here. I said, no, 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 Physical expenses, well, heat stroke isn't the best example because heat stroke has actually been really significant. But anyway, it's probably a bad example. Mm-hmm. Um, but just saying there are times where the physical expense is low. So you sometimes you have to educate them to what is a very high physical expense, where it's we have that 20-year-old cat, and we're happy when cats can get to 13 to 14, 15, 16 years old. So 20 is pretty much at life expectancy. So now we're talking about three to five days of hospitalization, several meds, you know, and I say it's not the treatments that's the physical expense, because treatments are supposed to make you better. The physical expense is what does it feel like mm-hmm. to actually be in end-stage kidney failure with heart disease? And having no ability to make a decision about what you get to do with your body. Right. That's the state of animals. Mm -hmm. It's always this other party who's making decisions regarding the care of that patient. So that's why I say, I don't care about money. I said, money will become part of the conversation. Right. I said, the emotional expense is something that you, family, or if you call someone, you got a sister, you got a sibling, or, you know, a a significant other, whatever happens, you guys can talk about that. I said, but my job here, is to bring the animal's voice into this conversation and to talk about that physical expense. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to this animal? Right. And if we get to the point where we start to talk about that physical expense and it's like, I would never consider putting them through treatment. Right. Money never comes a part of the equation. Right and that, that approach has helped at so many different levels. those cases who come in where they, they don't have they don't have you know what is it two dimes to rub together mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh I just you know I don't have any money, I really wish I could treat da, da, da. I, said, I said, stop talking to me about money right now let's let's talk about these three expenses. let's focus upon what's happening with your patient right now And I said, money will come up. I said, we have so many different financing options uh, more than any clinic you'll see in the area. I mean we have so many different things that way let's let's do this first and by the end of the conversation, they're like, Oh, I wouldn't do that. Right. And I'm like, then why, why did we start this conversation with money? because that's well, they're the, afraid they're afraid. That's yeah. the business practice, right? The, the, the business industry has brought us towards this payment. method. so, so again, that kind of stems off of us talking about Caroline, <laughs> Yeah. you know, is saying like, when we start to talk about then veterinarians being faced with this, you know, in our clinic, the statistic is one in five, just it's 24 hour care. We see lots of stuff for a lot of reasons. Right. But you know, when you start to get into that environment and it's like, how do I cope with this? And i this case might not go the way that I want. This case might not go the way that I think it should go. And it's like, I, I, I take I out of it. Yep. Because I didn't talk about four expenses. We probably have four expenses. I think the emotional state of the veterinary team is one of the expenses. But Paw Health is fixing that. Yep. So it really has more to do with take yourself out of the equation. Right. Let's at least empathize with the emotional expense. Let's not completely disregard the financial expense. But let's get back to the fundamentals of who we are as veterinarians and, and technical staff on... the the actual true patient and that's what comes to our our core values is serve the patient
1: right and and just to circle the conversation all the way back to the beginning is if you don't have that third element how can you truly get aligned probably can't i don't know if you can no at least on on the on the the patient care like for baby to working animal spectrum yeah if you're not understanding what's happening in their world, I don't actually think you can hit the same page to the point where you can talk about the emotional expense of the caregiver and you can talk about the, uh, the financial expense. Yep. And then when you can't do those two things, then you have veterinary and the expense, Mm -hmm. because if you do all three of those things, we did our job. Like, was it, Was it physically exhausting to have all of those things happen because there's a lot of time, work, and effort involved in all those things? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. absolutely. But Annie uh, put it a great way after the weekend, the the crazy weekend Mm -hmm. after Memorial Day. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was extremely physically exhausting. Yeah extremely rewarding yeah. there was no expense nope. on the veterinary team side yeah. it was a gain yeah. because we did all of yeah. those things yeah. really really yeah. well and you can the whole see in time. her eyes she was rejuvenated Dude, she was, was like awesome. she was
0: like oh my god it's working yeah and it's actually working incredibly well and everyone did what they were supposed to do and it was perfect it was perfect and it's like
1: yes and it was high stress <laughs> high stress we were rolling yeah. four and a half hour wait times mm-hmm. at one point yep and everyone was fulfilled by it. Everyone. There was no expense. Yep. Well, you have to have the other three variables included yep. in that. As yep. soon as you as soon as you lose one of those three, yeah. if I don't make any money, I'm yep. stressed as shit. Yep. If the caregivers are stressed yep. and they don't and they're we're putting not, that emotion on they're you. They're putting it right on me. Yep. And then I don't know how to deal with that. No, nope, because I can't even deal with my own. Right. And then if I if I if I'm not communicating mm-hmm. how this patient is fee- mm-hmm. the physical expense of this yep. patient, we're never gonna see eye to eye. No. Ever. No. So in terms of culture yeah. and like this this idea of holding yourself on a higher level and being trained to do that, what does that do? That completely removes you yeah. from the perspective of because I just know it, yeah. so you should listen to me, right? And then you should pay me. Yes. Don't get stressed. Don't get stressed, right? Don't tell me about your stress. Yeah. I'm going to fix it. Yes. Well and then when you can't, then yeah, anxiety comes out. Right. Right. But like that idea, that's just immediately the lack of humility, it breaks the system. Yep. When I can't engage you, when I don't understand different behavioral styles and different ways to communicate, yep. I'm I'm not gonna get there. I'm not going to be able to talk to you to the point where you're gonna listen to me. Yep. And we're gonna get to the same page. Yep. And the third one was uh that unified profession. Yep. Right, that's That goes back to the team. Yeah, absolutely. If I can't tell them yep. all of that stuff and we're not on the same page yep. and understanding our neutral position with all mm. of these people. Yep. Because if there's one person in the middle of this process, it's like, I disagree with that. Yep. I don't think we should do that. I'm just, I, even if I'm silent about it, yep. behavior changes. Yep. Speed changes. Yep. Demeanor, all of that stuff. Performance. And, and it's, yep. it's read in the room. Yep. And as soon as that negative energy hits the room, yep, everything slows down. It's done, and then all of it starts to crumble. Yep, just like that. Yep, and, and 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 we don't not all of those things have to happen at one time. No, one of those things can break the entire system. Oh,
0: absolutely, and that's that's why they're the three. That's why I have them in that culture in that right. culture thing is they are so incredibly important. Right, and I think you know we we overlap a lot of these different points. Like you said, the um. Uh, you know, the two main points for fixing culture, yeah. safety and vulnerability, yeah. um, you know, is I think, you know, what we've what we've done over the last three years is, you know, I was talking to um, the CEO of my old employer mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I was saying to her, I was about a year and a half into ownership, maybe two years in ownership. And, you know, I said, I just, I understand that being an owner is difficult. And I, you know, I said, there's a lot of things that we're doing that are different than a lot of their clinics. I said, but you know, I kind of see a lot of problems with the tradition. I said, but I, it, it's difficult. Um, I said, but I was sort of expecting it to be a little bit harder. And I said, why, like it's, why, why isn't it as hard for me as it is for other veterinarians? And we kind of talked about a few different points. She asked her own questions and rebuttals and so on and so forth. And mm-hmm. she says, oh, that's the answer. I'm like, what? She's like, well, you're not afraid to fire people. Yeah. And I was like, why would I be afraid to fire people? And she's like, because most people are afraid to fire people. And the statistic is in, in the first year, I fired half the staff. Um, Mm -hmm. Second year, we fired 25% of the staff Mm -hmm. and we were this close to it happening again, but Mm -hmm. we had maybe people saw the writing on the wall and Mm -hmm. it was just an immediate fix of culture. Maybe you coming on board and maybe all these things started to align where we were catching things before they completely started to fall through. Mm but it comes right back to like you said safety and vulnerability. Yeah. You know, we got rid of people who weren't willing to be vulnerable. Yeah, it's 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 not, it's, it's not to say yeah. that
1: they weren't able to be safe Correct. because you provided yes through extensive amount of effort <laughs> the the uh facilities to be vulnerable. Correct. Like most I mean it was just a matter of are you gonna do it? Are yep. you shit? I get off the pot. Yeah, pretty much. Right. Yeah, pretty much. And that and absolutely, it's yeah. in the it's it's sometimes there's just a barrier where people yeah. just aren't gonna do it.
0: Well, and I think it's from you know sort of negative experiences. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and the thing is, is like yeah. I think in firing, you know, I think what what, what we look at in that cultural world, um, you know, because again, there's a whole other things we gotta talk about in the core values, but just still staying on the culture. Uh, anyone who quit or anyone who we fired, anyone like I could see why they failed in this environment and part of it was i didn't always have the energy to fix all of those pieces mm-hmm. saying oh well you've been ingrained in this negative culture for the last 10 years of your career i'm now asking you to change i'm right. now asking you to to not just change who you are because you can still be yourself right but the reality is you probably aren't yourself right now yeah You know that that's the other thing, and how much is it going to take for me to kind of come back? And so what we did was is you know we actually I got to think I'm not sure um, yeah I mean between people quitting or firing or whatever happens to be. yeah, I, even thinking back, I, I don't think there was a circumstance where I didn't disagree with those people leaving the company mm-hmm. because it was, no, it's not just we're taking this business in a different direction. Is that we're taking the industry in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And in taking it in a different direction, unfortunately, there's going to have to be losses, which mm-hmm. I don't like the thought of people losing their jobs. That's not the intent of this. But in order for us to fix three massive problems between culture, talent, and service, yeah, I just, I mean broken eggs well
1: it's just buy-in yeah that was always buy-in. the issue right yeah, buy-in was always and, a and big when problem. it when it came down to it like you had the structure it was, most people thought I was crazy but yeah. most people think i probably still am crazy yeah but i buy-in. mean there are days i think you're crazy carlo <laughs> yeah. it's just what it is <laughs> which i probably am that's so. okay yeah it's the crazy ones that move yeah. the things uh, forward <laughs> But yeah, I think when it comes to those three chunks, it's like you would be even even before the the written description was there, you would be able to describe it verbally. And absolutely. Like, yeah, it was always in my head. Right. And it was insane. And if it was just like they just didn't grab onto it or they even yeah. so much like maybe you don't get it. That's OK. Right. But don't stop it. Right. Yeah. Don't. Like, yeah. Exactly. You, you don't even necessarily have to be fully bought into the idea, yeah. mm-hmm. but do not pump the brakes right yeah Do we, don't have, the, we either, don't have the time to no, brakes. no yeah so as soon and, that, and really what that is is it's buy-in if, yeah, if you're not you're bought right. in you're mm-hmm. gonna be like well that's not gonna work and as soon as that thought enters your head it's yeah. like well are you number one you can be critical absolutely for this for the sake of problem solving and, absolutely. and advancing yeah please. but if you're just saying That's not going to work. That's not how this has ever worked. We do this this way because this is how it's always been done. Right. That is my least favorite phrase in the entire world. That is. our. That's how it's always been done. Yep. That makes me want to do it another way. Absolutely. And when that thought enters anyone's mind here, it's just when are they going to leave? Yeah, exactly. And when are they gone? No. It's gonna happen. Yeah,
0: yeah. And I had made I had made the joke. I think year one of ownership, as I said, I don't want people being. I said I want people to be so comfortable with change mm-hmm. that they can't even become comfortable with the toilet paper we have in the clinic. <laughs> I want them to understand that everything is on the table for change. Yeah. And you know, my one of the things I had said was, I said, okay, fine, let's talk about corporate hierarchy. Let's talk about any of that. Um, is what I said was is that you know from from where where I'm at from the administrative team from you know any the, any sort of you know our four core team whatever it happens to be it's we talk about the red stop button yep. you know uh, Toyota right yes yeah Toyota yes. Toyota's red stop button yep. anyone on any part of that chain at any point in time say there is a problem right here red stop button we need to fix this problem yep we're we're not talking about buy-in to saying you can't critique Mm -hmm. buy-in is saying you are so motivated towards the success of you as a person you as a team you as a company as the patient care circle the caregiver the patient you know and then us as the medical team buy-in is saying you're just buying into the theory of a better life you're buying into the theory of it can be better you're buying into the idea of tradition is one path corporate medicine is another path paw health is the other path right and that's I think I always forget about buy-in because it's always in the back of my mind where I'm just like well yeah of course I'm 100% buy-in why would I think twice about buy-in but then you forget get you're like oh well people don't just automatically buy in but the people who are still with us from the beginning yeah bought in right they away in. right yeah. away
1: and the ones that ad, the, the ones that advance yep in, a, in an exceptional way buy yep. in and, right and away the, and they just they just steer into it yep. yeah sometimes it feels like the car is yeah. a little bit out of control yeah it's just yeah. i mean we live was, in wisconsin how yeah. do you get out of a, a snowy skid yeah right. you hit the gas right <laughs> You don't hit the brakes. No, no.
0: You drive. You through power it. through it. <laughs> yeah. And you stir the, you don't oversteer. You nope. turn, you know, just and control, the, yeah, it. Just control it. Little bits. Yeah, yeah. But you stay on the gas. Yeah. Cause as soon as you hit the brakes, you're out of control. Out of control. You're out of control.
1: Yeah. Out of control.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. You lose it. Yeah. And actually, truthfully, in that first year of ownership, I was so mad. I was so mad the first year of ownership because um, where I had gotten to that point through the acquisition of the practice, the development of infrastructure, which was still in its infancy, but a lot of the development, is almost everything I was was because of the feedback I got from the staff. Technicians and medical support and the front end staff were always comfortable approaching me. This is broken. What can you do about it? And yeah. they saw results. I'd be like... I don't know, I'll see what I can do about that. Right. You know, I'll see if I can fix that. Sometimes it fell in the deaf ears of m- the office manager they had. Um, the owners of the clinic were always receptive to my ideas, but it was always the implementation part. They were always cool yeah. with the owning it and the solutions, but implementation was always, because of the link to implementation, which the office manager at the time, it just, we, we had a hard time with implementation. Yeah. Um, so the that was always my thing, was Carlo was the guy who gets stuff done. And sometimes I would come up with the solutions if all they had was the problems. I buy the place everyone stops talking to me yeah why is everyone done talking well he's owned the place he just he's gonna run this this is his business and he's just we're not gonna talk to him anymore i'm like Since when has that ever been the dynamic? That has never been the dynamic. I need input from everyone all the time. And again, I think that's part of that buy in, you know, is just saying, no, I'm going to mess stuff up as I go along. Mm -hmm. That's what it is because we have to figure out what solutions are and are not going to work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in the end, I think this is a very, you know, very extended explanation of culture. Yeah, absolutely. I think to look at the culture of the veterinary profession, this is one of the three biggest problems that we face in our current industry. Mm -hmm. And by God, we have a solution. Yeah, absolutely.
1: You take all those busted parts. All of those parts are extremely difficult to buy into. Absolutely. A lot of our industry is built with those three parts in the chunks. Yep. So you and I both say, well, fuck that. Yep. Let's make number three. Let's make number three. Let's make some solutions. And let's get to the other side of that hurricane. Yeah, man. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. We're going to wrap this one (laughs) up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, Appreciate the time, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think
0: next time we'll uh, focus on service and talent from a lack of infrastructure and loss of self-worth. We might kind of slide a few things in there, but let's talk about some problems before we get to the
1: solutions. Mm -hmm. Got to know the state of things before we start fixing (laughs) them, right? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And thank you everyone who... watch today or listen however you yeah. kind of however you're consuming today. yeah so
1: <laughs> we'll be back next week right. and uh yeah stay, I'll stay tuned for and, more yeah